by women. But men can come too. Sometimes. I know. I'm Rachel. I'm Jessica. And you're listening to Three Drunk Girls. Woo! So, um, first of all, mm-hmm. I need an update about Bumble. Not Bumble, Hinge. <laughs> oh, it was Hinge. Oh, I'm sorry. Hinge. Hinge. Okay. So I had it for like two weeks. Um, kind of lame, not gonna lie, because I found there weren't many people using it. Yeah. So this one was, we talked about it, how it was... You set up a profile almost like Facebook or social media where you have, like, stuff about yourself, things right. that you like, and then people can comment and like your photos or your interests that you find basically a conversation starter. Exactly. Okay. So, and this is also what I found, a lot of the dudes that um, were liking my whatever okay. was on my profile, they never commented. They would just, like, click like. And that was it. Is there a forum where you can message each other? Yeah, like you can leave, the second you like something, it says leave a comment. Uh, it could be a picture, it could be, they ask funny questions, like what's the worst gift that you've ever received or given? Yeah. And like, someone would just like it, but not comment on it? That's or really try and converse? It's re- it's so like, use it properly. Just yeah. use it properly. It could be great. Especially if you're a person who's on there, and you're on there because other media aren't working, yeah. or that they're not what you're looking for. Exactly. You know, i.e. Tinder. There's nothing wrong with Tinder, but if, if you're not looking for something short to hook up, or whatever, and you're looking for something a little bit more, a little bit, you know. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more modern than something like OkCupid, where you have to ask or answer a million questions. Exactly. Yeah. But even setting up this profile, like, they asked a lot, I found. And, like, really? it took, like, a little bit of effort, more than I expected. Yeah, but don't you want that, though, out of I somebody do. you're dating? Yeah. Exactly. And that's why I thought it would be really good. And I have to add that I remember you asking me, you know, what would make it feel less like a catalog Mm -hmm. and i said you know maybe having like a video or something Mm -hmm. the one thing about hinge is they link your or you have the option to link your instagram account okay so there was one guy and he actually had videos of himself on his instagram account just like being a goof and i was like ding 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 wait did you message anybody so i when i liked things i would comment okay i didn't follow through on any like conversations okay um what do you mean like if they commented back you didn't follow up no so no one commented back so you oh. like something you, you have the option to comment on that thing that you liked and then if you both end up liking each other mm-hmm. um you can go into like a direct messages kind of situation okay, okay. and there were no direct messages sent I mean, I was, like, half-heartedly invested. When I first got it, um, I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in this, like, for the research. Let's do this. And then by day two, I was like, ah, I'm over it. <laughs> I was like, I have to keep it because I know Rachel's going to ask, and I have to tell her. And I'm obsessed with all of these online dating apps because I just think, like, any other way I can, like, flirt with someone yeah. is <laughs> fun for me. Like, right? what's not to like about it? But I guess, yeah, if other people aren't using it the way it should be used, then it's pretty one-sided and that's boring. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Eh. Yeah. Maybe try Bumble. I've done Bumble. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing, too, is I thought maybe there weren't that many people on Hinge because... It's new. Not only it's new, mm-hmm. I live out in the boonies, so um. everyone out there is, like, either settled down or whatever, mm-hmm. and there's just fewer people. The population density is a lot lower. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe that was the issue, but I was actually using it in 
Ottawa, which is, like, the next major city to me. Okay. And still, there, like, I would consistently run, they'd be like, oh, we're all out of people for you to look at. You know, but then that makes me think, is it Ottawa? Because Ottawa itself is... is the biggest small city you'll ever... Yeah, and it's, like, a family city. You know, yeah. people all here just work for the government and have young children, and it's a great place to raise children. Um super quiet city but like the nightlife ain't that frothy so no. maybe if you were in like toronto or montreal oh i'm sure yeah it might be busier yeah all right so now that that's out of the way let's shoot the shit a little bit all right okay so um as always this article from the atlantic um it's by a woman named dr jean twen she's a psychologist at san diego state university and she wrote this really grim, I think, article about smartphone and how they're essentially just destroying <laughs> this young generation. <laughs> so um, she touches on a lot of things. She talks about, uh, she references, it's almost like a meta-analysis where she's like referencing different studies and sort of putting everything all together and coming up with her own conclusions right. that the generation is pretty much fucked. Um <laughs> But she has a – I'm going to list a few points from the article that I thought were interesting that we can talk about. Okay. Um, so the first is that, you know, there's this sort of noticeable shift. When you talk about generations, right, we are part of the millennials. Right. Uh, we were born at the beginning of the 90s. Um, were you born in 89? 90. Okay. Uh, and so we can remember a time when there wasn't internet. Like – well, <laughs> I've always remembered internet. I remember I remember having a house computer, and my dad was super into, like, tech stuff. Okay. That's Stella barking. Oh, Stella. Hush yourself, Stella. I know. There's probably someone walking their dog. For God's sakes. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I, yeah, I remember that, that sort of house computer, and we had dial-up. Um, right? <laughs> Ma, get off the phone. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I remember, I remember like my mom um, downloading. She had LimeWire. Yes. Oh, was there something before that? BearShare. Oh, oh, my mom probably had Napster. Okay. Okay. BearShare. Maybe. Okay. Uh, and one year, I remember specifically, it was sixth sixth grade, and all of my girlfriends got mix CDs for their birthdays. <laughs> In which the first episode, or sorry, the first um, song. song was Pony by Genuine. Nice. <laughs> yes. There was also um, The Verve Pipe, Freshman. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, God, what else was there? There were just, yeah, everything uh, complicated by Avril Lavigne. <laughs> Shout out to Canadian artists. Yeah. Because it was huge back then. Um, yeah, so so I remember that era. And I remember getting, at that time, like, seventh grade, beginning of seventh grade, we, I got an MSN account. Okay. And that started then. But I remember, like, doing my homework. I don't remember using a computer to do my homework in my earliest memories are probably in, like, second grade. Okay. Second, third grade. That's fair enough. I think, too, like, I I remember Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, 96. we had them. Yeah, we had, yeah. We had that. So maybe I didn't have internet, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, I used to search the computer for information. Yeah. Thinking but they were internet, but it wasn't. It was just CD-ROM. Yeah. Huh. But, okay, so, so we can-ish, kind of, remember yeah. a time where at least the internet wasn't so wide. Exactly. <laughs> um, and that it was really only, I mean, even having a computer for home use was just beginning when we mm -hmm. were we were really young. Mm -hmm. um, so Dr. Twenge talks about how there's this shift that happened during the recession of 2012. Um, well, it happened in 2008, but just after, where, you know, millennials were sort of um, taking advantage of this, like, recovering economy. And by taking advantage, I mean, really, it's their parents who are taking advantage of it because they don't have much purchasing power. Right. Um, but at this point you saw a shift where people started to own, more people started to own phones, mm -hmm. especially smartphones. Yeah. When did you get a smartphone? Do you remember? I shared one with my parents probably starting in seventh grade. Mm. Really? Yeah. Wow. And then I had my own for, I it was my 15th or 16th birthday. I think it was 15th. Yeah. Um, my brother-in-law 
um, worked for a phone company. Okay. And so okay. he was able to get me one, and I used pay-as-you-go. I used my allowance to buy my minutes, and once I used them all up, they were gone. But was it a smartphone? No. Okay, so so that's when you got a phone, but when did you get a smartphone? Oh, shit. <laughs> I guess my BlackBerry was – is a BlackBerry considered? I don't even think that's a smartphone. It had apps, right? It had internet as well. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. Then maybe, yeah, it is a smartphone. Yeah. Ish. <laughs> so, like, you had one in high school. I yeah, remember, high yeah. school. Yeah, I remember you had a BlackBerry in high school. Yeah. Um, I had a phone. I got my very first phone after I was hired for the first job I ever had where I earned it. Yeah. So, I had had jobs, and I had been working since I was about 12, but that's because I worked at a summer camp. And the owners of the camp were my neighbors. Right. So I always had sort of connections. I then worked at my mom's um, restaurant. Our friend Lauren, yeah. We worked together at my mom's restaurant. And so I've had jobs through people I know. But my very first job that I got on my own was uh, at the coffee shop where I'm working now, actually. (laughs) Um, And I was 16. And so it was right before I turned 17 was when I got my first phone. And it was one of those slider sidekick phones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that would have been in like 2006, seven, something yeah. like that. Um, and then I didn't get a smartphone though until I turned 25. <laughs> yeah. You've been living in the dark ages, girlfriend. Well, I just didn't feel the need for it and I was paying like nothing for my phone. And <clears throat> then when I, my plan like ended mm-hmm. and they were like, all right, you can get a new phone cause you know, your plan's done, blah, blah, blah. And uh, there weren't any more basic. <laughs> you had, phones. To, get I had to get a smartphone. And so I told the guy, I said, uh, speaking of smartphone, I picked up my phone. Um, I told the guy who was working, I was like, listen, get me the kind of phone you would get your grandfather. <laughs> oh my God. Because I don't know how to work it. I don't understand apps. That's exactly what my dad said. Yeah. He said, I just want a phone that calls. Th- that's all I want. And calls and texts. And then I didn't get data until <laughs> six months ago. Yeah. 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 I'm almost 27. So, uh, yeah. It's been, um, and I only have it because I'm in school and working in school as a CA. So, uh, I need, need to, to be, be more accessible. Precisely. Yeah. Uh, but I, I honestly don't have a need for it. And once I'm done with this plan because I think it's two years that I have it I I won't go back to uh, data wow yeah wow what a world (laughs) and you know there's something to be said for disconnecting like I love going to a cottage for a week and just not having my phone like don't even bring a charger really yeah or like I'll have one in my car if I really needed it but I love it okay so she calls this generation because I think they actually do have a name now but she calls them (laughs) iGen so people born between 95 and 2012. Okay. So they the generation grew up with after us. Exactly. And iPads and Yeah, they grew up with Instagram, <clears throat> you know, having an account before high school. I even see this like where people have children, like people our age have uh-huh. children and they've already started an Instagram account or a social media account for them. And I'm like, why? Why? Right? Um, but we talked about that in the social media episode. Um, and they these kids don't remember a time before the internet. I often forget, like, I have a, I call her my sister, but she's a very family, close family friend. friend. Yeah. yeah. We grew up together. Our moms were best friends. We lived in the same building, and she's seven years younger than me. And I often forget, like, that we're a generation apart, yeah. even though we're very close to sort of the end. I'm, you know, at the end of the millennials, and she's at the beginning of this iGen, or whatever they call them. Uh, she was born in 98. It's her birthday today, actually. It's her 28th, her 20th birthday. Um... So, yeah, I often forget, and I'll make a reference to something. Like, I, uh, the other day we were chatting, and I talked about Saved by the Bell, and she had no idea what I was talking about. Oh, that poor girl. I know. She has no idea what she's missing. Yeah. So, but they're, they are seriously very much different from us. And, um, but another point that, that Dr. Tim talked about was that um, maybe the things and the activities that this iGen group of kids – or doing isn't necessarily different from what we did as kids. So she talks about how kids used to spend hours talking on the phone with their friends at night, and now they're just doing the same thing but messaging rather than talking on the phone. Right. Um, you know, because she then goes into uh, 
you know, talking about screen time and the negative sort of connotations and yeah, exactly. And how you know kids are now more depressed than ever. They're more um, solitary than ever. They have the you know poor social skills. Um, But actually, she even referenced a study that said kids who spend more than three hours a day on screens are 35% more likely to have risk factor for suicide. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, sure, she talks about how there are pros to phones. You know, one, they're physically safer. You know, your parents or whoever, you know, you always have a phone so you can call an emergency personnel. You can, you know, phone someone. You can appear to be busy if somebody's approaching you how many of us have used that tactic where yeah. someone's walking behind us and you pull out your phone oh hey how's it going yeah you're gonna pick me up cool great i'm around the corner yeah um so that's a pro uh there's also you know kids are staying at home sure but they're not out partying you know in a ditch somewhere right how many times did we go to bush parties Ugh. as kids you know, it's like it's like that meme that you saw. That's like you know, telling your mom you're going to a friend's to sleep over, but really you're dying in a field from exactly. vodka poisoning. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That was us. Yeah, growing up. Yeah, um, <laughs> especially in this particular park where someone was murdered. Yeah, uh, spent a lot of time in there. Um, and also, there's you know fewer teen pregnancies. Um, because they're not going out and getting it on. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um. And, but there are also, you know, more dysfunctional family dynamics. So less time actually talking to families or families talking to each other and right. together. Um, and I think, I don't know if this has to do with children driving that change. I feel like a lot of it probably has to do with the parents. Yeah. You know, how you, this isn't to judge anybody for how you spend time with your kids, but if, if your family dynamics are essentially structured by you as parents, you are the head of the family Mm -hmm. um together if you're a single parent then that's just you if you're you know multiple parents then it's all of you but ultimately you decide you know what goes on in the day-to-day what happens during your weekends if you guys are on screens yeah you know watching tv or on the computer then what are your kids gonna do yeah if they're not interacting with you and sure you could make the argument that well, you know, when we were young, our parents did their own thing, and we were out playing, but the fact of the matter is is that kids aren't out playing. Right. You know, because there's stranger danger, and, you know, people are living further out in the suburbs, and you don't have communities living closely anymore. So if kids are more inside, then, you know, is it up to you to entertain them or or to do stuff as a family? Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you can't, it, sure, yeah, my mom just sent me out into the wild. Who knew when, you know, where I was or who I was with? Yeah. But should our kids be doing that too? They can't really. So so where do they go? There's really nowhere else for them to yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's even like, like sitting down and having dinner as a family with no screens. Yeah. Like that's a, a small change that might be hard at first mm-hmm. to adjust to, but it can make a lot of difference you can know what's going on in your kids lives and if there are any like she alludes to like depression and you Mm -hmm. know higher mental health issues you might get that out of your kids sitting around at the dinner table yeah you know what i mean it's those little changes that can lead you um to bigger growth and i mean don't get me wrong it's like uh, you know understanding too that that parents and adults just in general are dealing with you know longer hours more stress now than ever and so sure you know having your phone with you to answer emails and you know to catch up is sometimes not an option exactly um but taking 15 minutes to have a meal and put your phones on the chargers and an actual conversation yeah not eating in silence like yeah (sighs) but what do we know we're not parents exactly (laughs) um and it's okay yeah so, okay, so the cons are, you're talking about, you know, mental health crisis, depression, loneliness. Here's the, the other thing is that fewer of these kids are working. Really? Yeah. Um, which is an interesting dynamic because my thing is this. We are really fortunate to be in a country where going to school post-secondary is we talked about this before in the student episode 
uh, student debt episode where, yeah, we can afford to go to school and not work. Mm-hmm. Like, really. Yeah. Our tuition isn't $40,000 a year. Right. But if we're talking about American kids and American data where, you know, sure, you, you know, you can have a high school student have a job to save up as much as they can right before they go to college. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you probably want to push them to get a scholarship. Yeah. Right? So they need to be focusing 100% on school. And if, less so on work. Exactly. If they're an athlete, then they have less time to work. If they're uh, trying to, you know, get into a specialized program or just get into a special, like, a really good school, yeah. they're probably volunteering and doing a bunch of other extracurriculars. Yeah. So when do they have time to actually work? And then once they're in school, sure, yeah, you can be a working student, but what if you have to maintain your scholarship? Precisely. Or, you know, just the millions of things that are are essentially expected of this young generation. Yeah. Um, more pressure now than ever. It's not the same as going to university for four years, paying, you know, $20,000 for your entire tuition yeah. for four years, and then getting a job right out of the gate and buying a house for $30,000. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. the expectations are huge. And so how are they, you know – how are they supposed to be working on top of doing all the things that they should be doing, that they should be doing, sorry, in order to get the best start in life? That's a really fair question mm-hmm. that I hadn't thought of. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're also, it says here, okay, this strikes a chord with me. They're okay. delaying getting their license. Okay. <laughs> this strikes a chord because... I don't have my license, and I'm 27. So, in the article, she talks about how, you know, in her generation, kids couldn't wait. They turned 16, and they were, you know, That in day, there. booking the test. Yeah. And you see that less and less now. And I just want to say this. First of all, you know, community dynamics have changed, like I touched on. Um, you have people – I mean, we lived in a city. It's well-serviced – well-serviced by public transportation. It's accessible. Yeah. The city is accessible. And so I also never felt like I needed to get my license because I went to school 20 minutes from where I I lived. Yeah. I worked a 10-minute walk from where I lived, and it just wasn't necessary for me. And then when I went to university, I went to university in the downtown area, again, accessible by public transportation. Yeah. Uh, My friends drove, so when we needed to go, I mean, (laughs) I'm looking at her right now. I was driving a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then... The con of that, though, is that I am terrified of driving. Yeah. I'm in, um, I'm in the midst of, of... Getting her license. Yes. And so, and I just have my in-car lessons left to complete for driver's ed, um, and I'm absolutely terrified. So, in hindsight, if I could go back and do it again, I would, just yeah. to have the license, because in my mind, I thought having a license meant that I had to have a car, and I didn't want the financial burden, the environmental burden yeah. of having a car. Yeah. And that's completely fair. But having a license equals freedom and equals opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I think here's the thing, though, is I think that it's, it, it means less of that now. Because although there are jobs where, yes, you need to have a license or, uh, you know, you can take a job maybe in a more rural area. And now, you know, if you have a license or if you drive, then it's obviously you can go to those places. Yeah. But I think um, – now, with, you know, urbanization is always increasing. Yeah. Um, it, it's not an essential. Don't get me wrong. There are lots of places out there where it is. It is. Yeah. You know, you have to. I pretty much have to yeah. because of where I live. Exactly. And you see kids driving or learning to drive at, you know, 14, 15, driving, yeah. you know, four-wheelers and whatever to get around if it's a super rural area. But if you're in an urban area, I mean, go in New York and survey – a thousand people walking down the street, ask them if they know how to drive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now, granted, we're not in New York, but <laughs> I, I could easily be in Toronto or Montreal and never drive. It's true. Yeah. Um, it also says that they don't date as much, which we kind of touched on. But I think, here's the thing. It's like, are they just less likely to define a relationship? Um because of a decrease in morals, you know, talking about 
oh, well, you know, so-and-so are hooking up or we're just talking as opposed to, yes, I'm in a relationship with that person. Right. Or are they just exploring or just redefining, sorry, like traditional relationships and exploring their own counterculture? That's what I think. And, and, and sort of trying to understand what it means to be in a relationship and like they're just defining or redefining yeah. how to define that. Yeah. Because they're exploring it and it's, you know, every generation goes through that, whether it's a sexual revolution or, you know, I don't know, polyamory, whatever. Polyamory, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know if it's necessarily that they have less morals. It could just be that, you know, they're more independent now than ever. They, here's the thing, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And so when you have access to all of this information and you're told you can do whatever you want to do, why would you follow in the footsteps of tradition for the sake of tradition? Right. Because what's the point? Yeah. And I just think maybe they're questioning tradition. Yep. More. Which which pretty much every generation ends up doing. Yeah. Um, I think too it's also a lot easier now to have multiple relationships. Like yeah. it's more accepted, first of all. Yeah. Second of all, when it's in your hand and that's where your relationship happens mm-hmm. on your phone, mm-hmm. you can easily have four conversations with different guys or girls going on at the True. same time. Yeah. A your little... time is spent more efficiently, if exactly. you will. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, growing up when we did, you knew that if they were on the phone with you, yeah, they weren't talking to someone else. That's true. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of that, too, just the ease of having it in your hand at all times mm-hmm. makes it. And people are more accessible now, too. Right? Yeah. You know, I can I can text you. And you know it's coming directly to me, and I'm right going to get it. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it says also that they're having sex later, and there are fewer teen moms than ever, which I touched on. And I think, like... Wouldn't the older generations be proud of that? You'd think. You'd think. I but feel like the older generations don't know what they want. No, but they're, you know, they're too busy sort of, you know, keeping their nose up at the depravity of it all because none of us like to define our relationships. Yeah. And the thing is, too, the older generation doesn't understand it. Yeah. So it's easier to judge it because you just don't understand. Yeah. Um, it also says that they're less likely to hang out with their friends, but again, I think, I wonder if this is just because they don't have money. (laughs) Right? Yeah. You know, they don't have jobs, they don't have money. I don't know. I mean, once I start raising kids, 100%, they're working. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I mean, this is an, I think, for another episode, but talking about, you know, your parents paying for... Yeah. yeah, and paying for tuition and paying for post-secondary. Yeah. That was never – I think it's a wonderful gift if you can afford it. But I just don't believe in breaking my back to, like – it sounds like to support my own children. <laughs> sure, yeah, okay, I'm just a great parent. But, no, I just don't believe in breaking my back and, like, and, and taking away from my future, you know, thinking about retirement, um, in order to – provide post-secondary education for my children. I just think that is, you know, their decision, their rights, their education. They need to earn it. Take ownership of it. Absolutely. And that's, and that's how I was raised. You know, my parents did pay for school and I, I fully believe in that. Yeah. See, I think it can be done in a way where you can help, Mm -hmm. um, but not hand everything over on a silver platter. True. Which is sort of how my parents did it. They didn't pay for school, but they said, as long as you're in school or working, you can live at home and not pay rent. Mm-hmm. And they did that for all five of their kids. Yeah. You know? Um, I could see myself doing that, too. Yeah. yeah. I've had other friends, too, where, you know, mom and dad agreed to pay for the first year of their university. Mm-hmm. And every year after that, they reduced the amount that they would give. Fair. And... It's, it still makes the, the student or the kid take ownership, but not feel the full burden yeah. all at once. Because it can shock you. It really can. And it, it is a big burden, and you're taking that debt on for life. Yeah. Anyway. So, okay. Um, another article, we'll briefly touch on it, uh, but there was a sort of a counter 
article. Edit. <laughs> no, don't edit this. I'm eating carrots, guys. <laughs> don't mind me. I'm hungry. You're an animal. Blame it on the diabetes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so she chooses to... The author of this article is Sarah Kavanaugh. She's a PhD. Um, and this was published in Psychology Today. And she really goes in on this author. Okay. She talks about how, uh, and I completely agreed with a lot of her points, she talks about how the data that um, Dr. Twinge chose to include in this publication mm-hmm. in, the, in The Atlantic uh, were cherry-picked to support her own oh, idea, yeah. Yeah. which, uh, let's face it, like every scientist Welcome to does. science! Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, particularly those studies that dealt with saying that, you know, higher social media use led to depression yeah. and mental illness. Um, also, the studies that she reviewed were correlational, so this is essentially meaning there were no interventions performed. Yeah. Um, so their causation cannot be inferred. Exactly, and um, that's what, when you read it, yeah. it looks like it's cause and effect. Yeah, exactly, uh, but you can't do that, especially, yeah, when you're just, you can say that there's an association of yeah. some kind, but you don't know what that relationship really, really looks is. like. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Oh, that brings me back. I know. This is my degree. Right. <laughs> um, she also talks about how the studies uh, that Dr. Twenge reviewed were, you know, largely ignoring the social context and how people differ. How can you really compare generations when, like, I mean, the internet has had such an impact yeah. on culture. Yeah. And on humanity. Yeah. Like, how can it you really compare It is a different world. Them? Yeah. Article concludes with just saying that, you know what, like everything in life, everything in moderation yeah you know there's nothing wrong with screen time and um you know at least when talking about your children letting them explore with permission uh, and supervision but exploring you know what's out there and learning more like Mm -hmm. i just think that's an incredible thing it's all about balance yeah like if your kid is on their computer screen or tablet or phone all day every day no that's not healthy for anyone and really ultimately they're doing that because you are yeah monkey see monkey do exactly so limiting your own screen time um might help you yeah (laughs) you know i'm so guilty of this my poor niece she's always like auntie read me this book now granted i read her a lot of books Mm -hmm. okay this kid loves reading she's three we go to the library once a week for story time we take out about 18 books every time (laughs) <laughs> and by the eighth time that she wants me to read the same Doc McSteffens book, oh I'm just like, oh, honey, I'm tired. I just need a break. And what do I do? What? Pull out my phone and read random ass shit on the internet. <laughs> I'm still reading. <laughs> I love that she reads. Oh, it's so cute. She's like, she'll read to herself and she'll Aww. just make up stories. She's amazing. I love her. She's an angel. Okay. On to our next. What is the next? Your favorite. This is something you've admitted. Okay. Three words. Drunk Amazon shopping. (laughs) Yep. Now, I don't get this concept because I'm so frugal. (laughs) Others call it cheap. I say I'm being frugal. Um, There's this... uh, Well, that was cute. There's this article in Ranker. Um, called 25 Things You Won't Regret Finally Drunk Buying on Amazon. <laughs> I can't wait. So, um, first of all, this is a, like, weird new phenomenon that people are, maybe it's not a new phenomenon, but people are sort of talking about it more and more. Yeah. And admitting to having purchased things while drunk and then the excitement of opening up a, an Amazon yes, box. And not really remembering what it is. Yeah, which I think is also like, um, it speaks to humanity in general because I feel like so many people are obsessed with this idea of unboxing. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, there's this kid on, on YouTube who's making like six figures. I know. No, seven figures. I know. From unboxing and you see kids doing play pretend yep. when they're doing these unboxings. You've yep. talked about your nieces My and nephews, nieces and nephews do it. They watch it on kids tube all the time. It drives me nuts. So and I'll be honest, I like I like it too. Yeah. I watch Zoella. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, what did I get today? Yeah, exactly. Fab Fit Fun, you know. You can go on eBay and buy mystery boxes. Yeah. But here's the thing, I don't want to actually do it myself. So it's almost like um What's that called? Like visual porn or whatever? I don't know what it's called, but where you you don't want to do something yourself, but you want to watch other people do it. It's like you're is living vicariously and 
like, yeah. Yeah. I want to live vicariously through them because the idea of getting a box and, like, having a bunch of stuff that, like, I didn't choose is just, like, to me, it makes me feel so claustrophobic and, like, there's so much clutter. And it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's the same as those, um, any kind of boxes, really, like subscription boxes, but those uh, snack ones. Yeah. Where you get different kinds of snacks. I'm I like, wouldn't be okay with yeah, that. Yeah, like, what if I don't like 90% of it? Like, what yeah. am I supposed to do with it? Throw it out? I've just wasted, you know, $35 or however much that box costs. Yeah. Okay. First on this list is a waterproof Bluetooth speaker. Okay. I have one. Yeah. Did you buy it drunk? No. Here's, I'm going to interject here and say I have drunk Amazon shopped, but it's always something I actually need and just Mm. haven't pulled the trigger on while sober. Okay. So you need that push. I need that little like, all right, it's slightly overpriced, but I'll do it. (laughs) It's none of these like I spent $1,300 on a unicorn pool float. Like that's, (laughs) I I don't have any of that shit on my list. That's, I mean, you have problems if you do that. (laughs) Not to judge, but you know. Okay, uh, a multicolor shower head. <laughs> I mean, that would be pretty fun to open. Right? Look at the picture. Amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, this is boring. Uh, Cards Against Humanity. I feel like I have bought that drunk. Really? Yeah. I'm impressed. And the expansion pack. It's a lot of fun to play drunk. <laughs> yes. Pixelated Bukaki for the win. <laughs> Also, nipple blades and the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Freshly ground black people. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. <laughs> That's so loud. I'm going to have to edit that out. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. A Bill Murray throw pillow. <laughs> I would love it. It's like Colonel Mustard. Um a six can mini fridge. Oh, that's fun. That's actually useful. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I was real frugal. Again, speaking to how frugal I am, I bought a mini fridge for $20 for JP for his birthday one year from uh, a girl that I worked with who was giving it away. She was moving. Nice. I know. And now he has a little mini fridge because he's too lazy to get up and get his own beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, a Wi-Fi light switch. Okay. Which is... What is it exactly? It lets you use your phone to turn lights on before you have to suffer the indignity of walking into a darkened room. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I just... I mean, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. You do you. Whatever. You do you, boo. Um, okay. A feline bow tie. <laughs> is this for eleven li- ninety nine? It's literally a tie for a cat. Yeah. Oh, dear lord. Okay. I think that's not as stupid as whiskey rocks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's a little more fun, too. Here's the thing, though. Aren't you only really supposed to have, like, one ounce of whiskey anyway? So, like, how long are you letting it sit for the ice to melt and water it down? Right? Or keep your fucking whiskey in the freezer <laughs> if you want it cold. <laughs> Seriously. I don't know, man. I don't know if it, like, ruins the... It tastes like an old boot anyway. Who gives a shit? <laughs> um... Okay, uh, one terabyte external hard drive. Meh. Uh, a Flick wireless smart button. Ooh. What is this? Educate me. Yeah, so it is, okay, so it can be programmed to do anything. You can automatically call a loved one to provide your location, play music, or turn on a light. I don't know, that's $34. Doesn't seem worth it. Yeah, no thanks. Oh, you can smart lock your front door? I don't know, whatever. Amazon Echo. Oh, which is like Alexa. Yeah. What is this? Please, can you educate me? Because <laughs> everyone went gaga over this over Christmas. Right. So I, my sister, <clears throat> the one that I uh, watch her children, they actually have the Google version, so mm. Google Home. Okay. They have two of them. So basically, it, it's like a smart assistant in a, in a speaker, and you can say, hey Google, or hey Alexa, turn this on. And if it's connected to, like, let's say my Chromecast. It'll turn my Chromecast on and say, play What's Paw a Chromecast? Oh, my God. <laughs> Honey, I'm going to have to save this explanation for when we're not on air, because this is going to be hours worth. Your oh. mind is going to be blown. Oh. All I know is that you can say, Alexa, play music, and it plays music, but like, what or else does it do? you can ask it the weather, or set reminders on your phone, or... So Add I feel things like to your calendar. Maybe this is for people who have children because I just pick up my phone and do these things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 
if you're like in the kitchen baking, mm-hmm. you can be like, "Hey Alexa, put this reminder in my phone to buy more flour." Oh, your okay. hands are all covered in goop. So where do you put it? You put it in like the most central part of your house, and then scream at it. <laughs> <laughs> it it has a pretty good sensitive microphone. Like it picks up pretty well. Okay. Uh, wine. I am down with that. Yeah. Um, but have you ever bought wine on Amazon? No. So in Canada, I don't even think you can. Right. You can order online from our licensed Ontario liquor right. stores, though. Okay. And they deliver, but it's not, like, instantaneous. Yeah. Okay. And they probably only, like, deliver to the nearest branch or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, a cat-shaped ice cube tray. <laughs> <laughs> it's like cats within a cat. Oh, my God. Why? <laughs> what is the cat obsession? Guess how much that is. $17. No, $8.49. Okay. Um, lots of shit for cats. People Ooh, are crazy. A Fitbit. We're going to talk about this in the next episode. Okay. I'm on this train. I am too. Are you? I'm wearing my Garmin uh, right now. Except mine's, yeah, mine's um, generic. Okay. Um, <laughs> all the Diana, Ga- no, not Diana. Diana Gabaldon? <laughs> no, 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 no. George R.R. R. Martin. Okay. Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. The whole collection. Yeah. Oh, wow. For forty one twenty five, And these are big-ass books. There's five of them. Huh. Yeah, I'll never read them. A gaming headset. JP, I swear to God, has like six pairs. Does he drunk buy them? No. Because that would explain a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, but he usually buys a new one when like something goes wrong rather than fixing it. Okay. Or investigating to see if he needs to. He'll just buy a new one. And they're not cheap. No, they're not. Um, a coffee grinder, like one of these old-timey hand-cranked coffee grinders. Yeah, I don't know why on earth you would ever do that. Get me one that connects to my smartphone and is electronic, and I can say, <laughs> grind my coffee. Yeah, but this is for, like, you know, if you're hipster and you're, again, with the counterculture. An electric fireplace? I want one. You know, you can get them at Canadian Tire, though, for fucking cheap. Yeah. What are some of the things I've drunk bought? Yeah. Um, 10-foot lightning charging cords for my iPhone <laughs> so that I can roll over in bed and it still reaches the other side of my bed. Oh, Brilliant. I Ten foot cords, people do it. It'll change your life. Because I always have to like reach over in my bed, underneath yeah. my bed to get the fucking wire <laughs> and I think I once upon a time ordered a shower curtain. <laughs> yeah. That was useless. <laughs> Um, what else? What do I order? Last time I ordered, I wasn't drunk. I had had, like, a beer or two with dinner. Okay. Um, and it pushed me over the edge to buy... Your inhibitions were lower. A fun little toy. Oh! <laughs> the one that I suggested? Yes. Good stuff. Good stuff. We'll get there <laughs> in another episode. Wait. <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it here. <laughs> Maybe. How amazing. So that's the ranker. I yeah. Apart from Cards Against Humanity, I don't think I've ever bought anything. I'm drunk. My it's funny because our friend who was on the show last week, yeah, yeah, she uh, saw my Amazon cart and was like, "Why do we have the same cart? Like identical, (laughs) the same item." With your best friend. We're besties, and but we had never discussed any of it. It was kind of, kind of cool. Kind of cool. Okay. <coughs> Wrap this bitch up. Do it. But seriously, I can't believe the unicorn pool float wasn't on there. Oh. Why? A lot of these were plentiful. I know mm-hmm. things that you would actually use. Mm-hmm. Give me something ridiculous. Like a car battery if you don't have a car. (laughs) (laughs) Even just like a sex swing. (laughs) You saw Fifty Shades of Grey last year. Hilarious. Or a wife, you know. (laughs) Blow up doll. 
of. I know. Like the robot? I know. Yeah. Okay. Let's get some science shit in here. Um, okay, this is a real issue that I actually want to talk about. So, I am in school to be a healthcare professional. Yes. And my professors, left, right, and center, are touting using binders and, oh, like, okay. leaflets and papers and papers and papers. We actually have an exam coming up next week where we're not allowed to use any electronics. We have to use our resources from our binder that we will have for placement. So I read this article about smartphones being used in the medical profession. Uh, it was by Short and colleagues from the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles in the Journal of Graduate Medical Education. And they talked about, you know, sort of the pros and cons of using smartphones or at least technology in this day and age as medical professionals. Okay. And um, I'll get to what they said and then I'll sort of throw my two cents in. But they talked about how there are definitely barriers that include the startup cost. Yeah. You know, appearing unprofessional. Yeah. So there's this huge public perception of use. You know, are you paying attention to me or are you on your phone doing other things? Right. Um, Because... You know, smartphones are multifaceted. Yeah. Um, distraction from care or collaborative work. Okay. Uh, which was a possible barrier. I don't know if I totally agree with that. Um, the legal and ethical factors with confidentiality. That I can understand. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, even talking about, there was a University of Maine professor uh, a couple years ago who had their laptop stolen from yeah. their car. Yeah. Um, and it had files from patients. Um because I think they were doing research. Well, obviously, professors do research studies all the time, yeah. depending on where you know what field you're in. But, um, but that's the thing. It could happen sort of anywhere. So you know, when we talk about ethics, uh, you know, we talk about in school at least. We talk about you know having um, sort of duotangs and um, what are those things called? Cabinets, mm-hmm. uh, locked cabinets with information. But like as we are moving away from paper or hopefully moving away from paper and moving to, you know, EMRs, electronic medical records yeah. and things like that. So at what point does that information, like is it just sort of futile to tell people to keep stuff on paper locked in a cabinet? Yeah. You know, versus having their information much more accessible, but then sort of the idea of, of confidentiality and privacy at question, I think, um, or in question, I think a lot of that is sort of, you know, the technology is happening quicker than we're, we're what we can sort of yeah. adapt to or, yeah. or um, <clears throat> you know, how people look at it. And by people, I mean, you know, review boards and... Um, Ethics committees yeah. and... So what's appropriate and what's not? Um, also talking about quality control. So yes, when you have a lot of information, how do you consume that or create yeah. that? The quality of sources as well when you're trying to look up information. Um, but I feel like that can easily be sort of resolved through databases. Yeah, curated precisely. databases. Precisely. Um, also wireless connection failure during time-sensitive moments. Yeah. Totally an issue. Yeah. Um, but I think you know if I have. Even right now, I have uh, a Google Drive folder on my phone and with, you know, folders that are organized. uh, And in those folders, I have information about case studies and um, I have, you know, compendiums and resources that I can easily access in a moment's notice that are even I've made available offline. So to me... Even faster than having a binder faster than having a binder. So to me, this idea of having to walk around from patient's room to room with this heavy binder, collecting information from them, and then analyzing it, I just think, like, can my time be more efficiently spent if I just use one phone yeah. or, you know, a tablet, or... a tablet or something that's lighter and that's, you know, easier to maneuver? I just, it makes me wonder if this is sort of a generational issue and if it's sort of clashing because we still have those who haven't, you know, retired out yet. Yeah. Who are, who are really live and die by that pen and paper. Yeah. Um, it's frustrating. I can, yeah. Yeah. Just efficiency and, like, there are ways to have your information secure mm-hmm. within technology. Yeah. There is encryption. There are, you know, secure servers and all this and that. It's just a matter of, 
putting those security measures into place mm-hmm. and having them, you know, follow the protocols as a, as a medical professional or yeah. any kind of professional with sensitive information. Yeah. And I mean, excuse me, is it, is it more expensive to have, you know, an IT team take care of that? You can even just have one person take care of that. Yeah. Versus all of the measures that have to be put in place and the team that has to be uh, trained, et cetera, to having, you know, sensitive information on paper, locked up, in yeah. a safe place. Knowing and, who can access that. Exactly. Yeah. What's more cost effective? I don't know. <laughs> Only time will tell. Only time will tell. I mean, what if you were being, I was going to say serviced. (laughs) If you were being taken care of by, you know, a doctor, let's say, uh, and they were using a phone, how would that make you feel? I think the phone kind of presents a less professional air. But this is a construct. It is. Let's be honest. Because if it were a tablet, which has all the same, essentially, functions as a phone, except maybe you can't call, Mm -hmm. but you can still access the internet, you could still be goofing off, writing emails, text message, even text message from your tablet, Mm -hmm. um, I'd be way more comfortable with a tablet than I would with a phone. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely a social construct. Like, there's no reason for it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, even as it is for our stash, like, we can't have our phones out at all. Like, we can't even have them in our pocket. They have to be in our bags, in our lockers. Wow. Which is insane to me. Yeah. When I can access information in the blink of an eye and have an answer for you. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, sort of my older professors might say, well, you know, you should be able to find resources if you don't have your phone, because what if you don't have your phone? And it's like, well... When do we ever not? They used to say that about calculators. Yeah. You're never going to have a calculator with you all the time. Well, guess yeah. what? I have one in my pocket at all times. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, or even if I don't have my phone, it's like I also want to know where the resources are. Sure, where the physical copies of the yeah. resources are. Absolutely. But if I have the opportunity to have that information much quicker, yeah. why wouldn't I want to use it? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, I mean, the concluding remarks from the paper was, Dependence on mobile technology for just-in-time education could come at the expense of acquiring key clinical knowledge or skills or detract from the senior-trainee teaching relationship, which is totally possible. But I think definitely, hopefully, in the next, you know, 20 or so years, you'll see that shift. Yeah. And, you know, maybe the next generation – that's all I want, you know, the next generation coming in because as, you know, a dietitian and a professional, you know, you can take on the role of being – you know, having stagiaires. Yeah. Um, like being a, a supervisor or like yeah. a mentor kind of. Mm-hmm. There's a word for it. Yeah. <laughs> Do I know it? No. Um, so, yeah. So I, w- I would definitely hope that, that, you know, the next generation or generations of stagiaires can yeah. fucking use their phone or use a tablet and have much quicker information and be savvier about that because – God, wouldn't you want them to be able to handle more patients at once and not be so stressed out and waste their time filling out their medical charts and their databases using a pen and paper? Which then gets put into an electronic copy regardless. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that's our show. Okay. That was good. Yeah. All right. You know, the ish. You're looking at me funny. (laughs) What's going on? I don't know. Alright. Okay. Yeah, me too. Take care. Stay cool. Bye, everyone.